0: All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting podcast. Um, we had a great episode for you. We have our guest, Calvin, who's been on the, the show before. Um, if you like the podcast, you enjoy it, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or our YouTube channel, Apex Vaulting. Also follow us on social media. Um, we're really big on Instagram, The Real Apex Vaulting. We also are Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and if you have any comments or questions about anything that we discuss um, just email me at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Calvin, if uh you say something that people highly disagree with, how can they reach out and, and
1: ask you? <laughs> uh you can send me a DM. I'm uh just Calvin Hartman on Instagram and uh might get back to you, might ignore you. <laughs> I mean, it it depends on how mean you are.
0: I think if you're really mean and you
1: really touch a nerve, he might
0: angrily DM you back. Yeah. If you're just Uh, super
1: nice and politely disagree with me, I probably won't answer. (laughs)
0: Um, But anyway, so um, we we will discuss a a little bit of strength and conditioning, but the first thing that I kind of want to start off with, um, I wanted to kind of talk about being a small business owner and, you know, Calvin used to pull bowl at apex vaulting. Uh, Now he runs a strength and conditioning business. Um, I Obviously, run Apex Vaulting, <laughs> small business. No, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I want to talk about uh, a, a few things. One, you know, what is it like day in and day out? You know, um, why do we do it? Uh, three, what are maybe some good goals? And and let let's start there, right? I I think um, one of the issues that I kind of have in the pull community, and you can maybe talk to me about the strength and conditioning community, and and maybe some people that. Uh, you know we don't have to name names but like maybe someone you were like oh man that guy's killing it and then you find out later you're like oh this guy's not killing it you know and um for me i i followed two brain business uh which i know me and you talk about a lot um it's this yeah. guy who is a crossFit gym owner and he's a mentor to a lot of business owners and some of the things that they talk about is like you know having a gym um and look i again i, I don't know for people who are listening like why does he keep saying the word gym it's like if you have a pole vaulting club, I hate to break you, you own a gym. That's that's what it is, you, you, right? You are a service provider and the gym activity just happens to be pole vault instead of, you know, baseball or basketball or just strength and conditioning, but it's still a gym and we're providing a service. And I want to kind of talk about that mentality. Um, that being said, this podcast, they talk about uh, two brain business. They talk about small business owners of gyms how your goal should be to get like maybe 100, 150 clients. And if you can do that, you can kind of bring in about $300,000, right? And that's pretty good. Like if you can get your business to that point, that's awesome. Because now you could potentially hire a full-time employee. Um, You can have some part-time people. So now, you know, I mean, you're still the business owner. You're still doing a lot of work, but, you know, it's kind of spread out and you service all these clients. You have a really, really good, stable business. You know, um, I mean, what what I, I just talked about the two-brain goals. What about for you, Calvin? Like you, I mean, one, how how long have you been doing what you're doing right now? And what are your maybe more immediate goals? Maybe like 300,000 sounds
1: like crazy, that's far away, but look, what are maybe some more immediate goals for you? I mean, you're always trying to get more clients in the door and give them as good of a service as you can. Um And for us, this gym is a little bit smaller than I think the gyms that Chris Cooper's talking about, we take on anywhere right now we have about between anywhere between 25 and 30 clients. And, uh, I would love to see that grow a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's the immediate goal is to get a little bit more clients in the door. Um, and as far as, you know, long-term goals, I would love to be at that, like, you know, 45 to maybe 50 clients a month goal. But again, our gym is a little bit different. We. We, um, we give clients a little bit more personalized experience. We call it small group personal mm-hmm. training, as opposed to training people in bigger groups. Um, but and,
0: one of the more, and what, what's even like, and when I'm talking about like the financial numbers, and I know a lot of people don't even they're like, why, why are we talking about this? But it's like, in order for the pole industry to grow, people need to realize, okay, yes, you can make a living off of this. there are certain attainable goals. You know, what about even just from a financial standpoint, like when we talk about in a year and we're talking about gross. So before expenses, I mean, what's a number in your head that you'd like to hit, let's say in two years, you know, um,
1: gross before expenses. I would love for the gym to make between, and this is just our in-person clients. We also have our online clients, which are completely separate. It's like a separate revenue stream, but, I think it would be great if the gym could make between 10 and 15 grand a month. Okay. So, I mean,
0: definitely, you know, around like 120 grand, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like just to speak about a little bit, you know, I know this is like maybe a little bit crazy or overshare as some people would say, but like at Apex Vaulting, I think, you know, the best we've ever done in a year is about like 144,000, you know, gross. Um, And then, you know, before COVID hit. Um, Our winter season, that was our best winter season. We were over 40 grand that winter alone. And our our seasons are about two and a half months. Um, Spring is also always bigger than winter. So I was like anticipating like we might hit 50, you know. So I mean, I was looking to kind of break the 200 grand um, mark before covid you know obviously after covid you know things slowed down we were closed for four months it was a little slow in the beginning um we're definitely getting back i'm very happy with how we finished you know last spring and summer and stuff like that excited for indoors you know hopefully the world doesn't go on fire um but you know it's like that that's what apex vaulting is done you know and now we have you know our second location in long island you know, Brad and Toby are the owners. That's their gym. It's a, it's a franchise location. And, you know, and I talk a lot with them about these type of things because it's important. Like you can't like the polo industry can't grow unless people are actually professionals. Like they're doing it for a living. Cause I think a lot of times people are looking at certain clubs where it's like, this is really something this person does on the side. It's not something they do every single day. And let's, let's even talk about growing clients, right? Like we were kind of talking about this before, you know? um, So what kind of Instagram posts do you think are most
1: effective at getting you uh, clients, Calvin? I gotta be honest. I'm not the Instagram guy. I'm (laughs) terrible at Instagram, but to your point. I haven't seen too many people come in off of Instagram posts that I've made. And mm-hmm. I think you could speak to this too. It's more about building those personal relationships and it's sure. a word of mouth that's going to grow the most. At least that's the experience I've had. No. Yeah. Listen, I
0: think a hundred percent, I think, you know, does the social media for apex help? Yes. But a lot of times, like if we're being honest, like, you know, a lot of the the people that reach out to me due to social media are like, I don't know thousands of miles away. Like it could be somebody from California who's like, hey, I saw your Instagram post. Can you check out my video and help me out? Which again, we do that. I'm so happy to help and I'm grateful to help. Um, But it doesn't always get you business right through the door. Like Calvin said, it's taking the the long approach, right? It's like, it's not short-term stuff. It's long-term, taking the long haul into this and word of mouth, do the best job you can with the person that's in your gym right now so that they have a good experience. They tell their family, they tell their friends, they tell their teammates how awesome of experience is. If you start to think about coaching in that realm, that's going to grow your club. Because I think, you know, again, is social media helpful? Sure. I mean, I do it. I, I, I think there is
1: some value there, you know? Um, I think it helps grow your brand, which right. is going to help in the long term, yes. But as mm-hmm. far as like getting people in the door I think the best thing you've done for your business is Mm -hmm. going to every single meet and not for every single kid you can't but in the beginning that's Mm -hmm. what you did Mm -hmm. I mean I remember you being at meets like all weekend long you know and that as somebody who went to the club that was huge that you were at my meet you know what I mean it made me want to talk about you to other people and it made me appreciate that much more what you were doing you know so I, I I want to talk about that because we, you were talking
0: about your experience. and You brought that up as far as how you, you get clients and things that your clients appreciate. And the thing that I, I think is huge, you know, I'll talk to other coaches, you know, and again, this is like, these are people who they're doing pole vault as like a side gig, right? So they're charging their clients, their athletes for, for lessons and whatever, however they do lessons. And we, we could talk about that in, in a minute, but like, then they're like, oh, well, you want me to go to your meet? I have to charge you for that, too. And so and then it's like, oh, you need poles. I got to charge you for that, too. And then I was. I mean, you're nickel and diming your clients like I to me, I always felt I was like, this is not the way it's supposed to work, right? Like, just like, again, I think when you have a pole vaulting club, it's a pole vaulting gym, right? It's a gym. You need to provide the equipment. Right. Yeah. If I want, if I walked into a strength and conditioning place like yo, you didn't bring your 45 plates. Like we only got barbells. We don't have plates here. Yeah. Yeah. You bring your dumbbells too. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, I, I need to find a new place, bro. Or I'll just like lift in my garage by myself. Right. Um, the other thing is too, and and you could speak to this about your personal experience with your clients, but it's like, I always felt it's like you come to my gym, you got here cause you want to, you get, you want to get really good. And me going to your meets is going to help you jump higher. It's going to help you have a better experience. So I want to go to your meets and I am personally invested in, in my clients. I really, really care. I mean, like I was even like yesterday, it was was so funny. I was talking with some of the kids in the session and, um, you know, I don't know how everybody else feels out there. Um, I I don't don't know what Calvin's going to say, but I feel like, listen, I was, I was teaching myself. I was an English teacher in a high school. And so I think there are very good teachers out there. That being said, I think there are a lot of people that do not take their jobs seriously. So I was like, one of my students was talking about like a phys ed teacher that she has, who's teaching health this marking period. And she's like, it's blatantly obvious. The guy is miserable in the health classroom. He doesn't <laughs> want to be there. Kids are talking over him. He doesn't discipline anybody. The classroom management is terrible. And he's just having an awful time. I'm like, and I was explaining to the kids, I'm like, man, could you imagine? Like, this guy's getting in the car every morning and he must be like, (sighs) fuck, today sucks. (laughs) Right. And then he's going to this classroom and he's not even teaching. And that being said, even though he's shitty, I want to bring something up. Even though he's shitty, you know, there's some geeky little kid that walks up to him and is like, mister, do you think this is a healthy diet? what kind of workout should i do and he's probably like scram kid get out of here i don't have time for this shit it's like someone actually gives a shit what you think and you're disregarding it like i'm always grateful that any of my clients and it doesn't matter pr this is where like i think people and 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 again you could speak to this too uh, being that you're a gym uh you know uh You know, you you run a gym and you have clients of all different types. It's like you can't just care about your stud athlete. No. You know what I mean? You can't just care about your stud athlete. I care about all my athletes. The fact that I have college athletes that hit me up that want advice. And, you know, sometimes it's not even always like pole vault technical advice, could be training, could just be like, how do I hand time management skills? Mm -hmm. Should I keep jumping in college? Is this the right choice for me? And sometimes it's not, you know? So it's like, I'm grateful that people actually give a shit, but you have to have that personal investment. So for me, I've always felt it's like, how am I going to charge one of my athletes who, who knows, they, they might not have a lot of money. They're saving. Like, this is a big deal that mom and dad are paying for pole vault lessons. And now I'm like, Hey, you got to pay extra. If you want me to go with me, I'm personally invested already. I want to see this kid shine. And. And listen, some of you may say, I can't afford to do that, Bronco. And listen, I can't tell you what to do. You do whatever you want. If you can't afford to go to meets for free for whatever reason, that's that's your thing. You you figure it out, right? All I'm saying is like, I know, like Calvin's saying, how grateful everybody is that I do that. They're, they're like shocked sometimes, and especially on those, you know, those crazy weekends that I have where it's like, I go to a meet on Friday night. Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and it's like, wait, you're going to another one? I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. And I'm back to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what? Like, talk about your experience because, like, I feel like obviously, like, Apex, I, I went full time within 2010. So it's like I'm at a different point than maybe you are. You're right. more in the beginning stages, and there may be people out here listening. who are like, okay, I I'm thinking about starting a pole vaulting club, or I'm think, or I'm in year one or two. What are some ways, like, like we just said, not not saying don't do social media I think that's you should but what are some more uh, more uh, what are some things that are going to more immediately impact your business that you can do for your clients well and get more clients
1: what I've been doing every weekend is you know we're about fifty percent athletes at the gym and fifty percent gen pop kind of regular adult clients and mm-hmm. every weekend I've been to somebody's game whether it's a baseball player's game a football player's game and I don't charge them obviously to go. Like I genuinely want to be there because I see them work hard in the gym and then I want to see them succeed in their game. But yeah. So not only does it look good, not only do I want to be there and I enjoy being there, but it's good for the business too, because other parents see you there. Mm -hmm. The kids teammates see you there. And then, yeah. Just that exposure gets people kind of talking, like, "Oh, your trainer comes to your games. Like, that's pretty cool." You know, I yeah, my trainer doesn't do that, or if they you right. know if they have a trainer, if they don't have a trainer, it's like my like, trainer
0: doesn't even ask me how my game went,
1: <laughs> right? Or if they you know if they don't have a trainer, it puts the thought in their head, like, "Oh, you know, you, you have a trainer. Like, maybe I should think about it." And that has gotten more immediate business in the door than anything else is just parents seeing me at the games and saying. Oh, you know, my son could use a trainer too. like, you know, let me reach out to that guy. And, you know, that that's been the biggest thing I've done so far. And um, besides any kind of like special marketing or social media, that's, that's been the biggest thing so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, I, I think that goes a long way because it shows people how much you actually care. You know what I mean?
1: Right. They don't, they don't, the kids don't care how much I know. They don't even care how much I lift really, you know, but they, once they see that I care about them and I'm invested in them, that's what gets them to buy into the program. That's what gets them to, to want to train. You right. Know?
0: And I, and I think even from a coaching perspective, and obviously this is even more important in the pole vault, but like by you going to those games, you're actually watching them and you could see, oh, wow. Like you you're watching, let's say how they made a certain move or something like yeah. that. You'd be like, yeah. you know what? I need to change their training a little bit. I, I can make this better. I can help them more because yeah. now you're actually like, you're seeing them perform. It makes a difference. Cause I always felt like too, like coaching at meets. It's like, man, like I'm coaching at the me, I'm trying to help these people. It's like, I'm at the meet. I see how they react in a meet situation. I'm like, okay, these are things to discuss even while they're practicing. Like I even, I'll have like moments in practice where let's say a kid jumps. I'm like, Hey, don't get excited. Don't get excited. Don't skip takeoff, right? Because it's like, you remember at the last meet, you got a little bit excited PR bar and you just ran into it. Like you got to set it up. You got to set up the takeoff. You got to do that. And so you can address even, and again, I hate to talk about the psychology of it, but it's like, you could address those psychological things, like how to compete better. If you actually go to their meets, if you don't, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how you're going to make those adjustments in practice and training and, you know, all that, that kind of Avenue. Um how patient do you think you have to be when you go this route of like being like a service provider? You're a gym, you, you know, you're running a gym, you're you're training people. How, how patient do you have to be? Because like again, going back to the social
1: media thing. Do you mean as far as like well, business well, wise on, I'm, growing? I'm I'm, I'm okay. gonna
0: I'm gonna explain. So, like, cause you know me and you talk all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, especially right now, okay. So it's like it's fall, right? Uh fall is obviously like the slowest time of year for a pole vaulting gym. Reason being, one, a lot of athletes are doing non-track sports right now, right? So Johnny, who is coming in three days a week, um, he might be playing soccer and he may only come in once a week, if at all, right? So also you have no track meets, right? Like other than like we're having a Halloween vault this Saturday. So we're having that. But you know, other than something like that, you know it's, it's a quiet time of year. So it's like a little bit slower. And I personally always in these time of year, I'm like, I'm a lazy bum. I need <laughs> to do more. Cause it's like you scroll through Instagram and it's like every business guy, every like motivational, whatever they're like, you gotta, Oh my God. Like you can grow your business like a thousand times in a month and this and that, and you should be doing this many posts a day and you should be doing that. And you should be. and I'm just like, like, but then I'm like, okay. But like, what am I going to post? You know what I mean? Like, and, and the thing is like getting a client through the door, that's not like, there's no magic trick. You know what I mean? You can't like, it's like, Hey, listen, if uh, you post three times a day, you will get 15 clients tomorrow.
1: Yeah. There's no equation you can use.
0: Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, does that make sense now? It's was like, how, how patient do you have to be? Because I, I know like we've talked. I mean, like even before you were at DeFranco's and you know, it's like getting clients, like how difficult it is. Like how how patient do you really could you maybe explain that part of it? Cause I'm sure there were times where you were like, dude, I don't know if I could do this.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, well, even so I took over training at DeFranco's um right before COVID hit, so February of 2020. And mm-hmm. then uh kind of disregarding COVID. We had to close the gym and then we opened back up in uh, July. So I really count like that July to now as like the time that I've been in the gym and the time that we've grown things. And I think in July we had seven or eight clients that were pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And now we're at well over 20. We're at like 25 to 30 in that range. And that took a year, Mm -hmm. a year plus a year and a couple months. And it every day doesn't feel that different. Like every day I'm in the gym, like, you know, it doesn't feel like I've made that much progress. And I kind of have to look back and say, okay, I have made a lot of progress, like from seven or eight to 25 plus. Yeah. That's a big change, but it doesn't feel like it. And being patient in the long run, I think is super important. That's something Gary V talks about a lot. He's like, you got to be you got to hustle in the micro, like do the most you can in, in the day to day, but then long-term be super patient. Yeah. And I agree with that. Like the the past year and change of months has not felt like it's been that long and it doesn't feel like that much progress has been made. But when, when I look but back, did, like, yeah. it really has been a lot and mm-hmm. it's just, you gotta be patient and just keep doing the things that you I, know are good. Well, I, I know,
0: like, I remember talking to you last fall cause you were kind of like, you know, bummed at a certain point. And I don't know. I mean, you know, me and Calum talk all the time. We just have one of those phone calls, like what the fuck, you know? And, uh, you know, and I was like, yo, but like time out, I'm like, you literally already told me that you have more clients now this fall than the fall before COVID. Right. That's huge. That's huge. You know? So I mean like, even for people who are listening out there, who are like, oh man, maybe it's like, you know, it be tough during COVID. I think, listen, you have to have the mentality. Like I have concerns. I have worries as well, but you have to have that mentality. Like, no, I'm going to get the job done. But it's like, you have to have that determination and you have to have that patience. And just like we would tell any athlete, like, hey, hey, you think you're having a bad practice? What were you gripping last year this time? Right. What polls were you on last year this time? Maybe this is not as good as last week, but you're still way ahead of what you were last year. That's the same thing as like starting a business you have to start to look back a month ago, six months ago, a year ago, what, what was happening? Is it better now? Okay. What do you think made it better? Cause that's what you you have to engage on. Cause like, I even, again, like I'll, I'll kick myself. Like I always tell Calvin, I'm like Calvin, you got to post more on social media, you know? <laughs> and I, I, I try to post, you know, as, as much as I can, I guess, obviously I could do more, but then it's like, there's always that thing in my head, I'm like, how much of an impact is this actually making? You know, am I really gonna kill myself if I don't freaking post something? Like, it's not, you know, it's like, listen, the clients coming into the Apex are not gonna be like, wow, wrong, I'm really a little disappointed. I noticed that you haven't posted three <laughs> posts today. And, uh, you know, it's just, I feel like you're being lazy. They're not gonna care about that.
1: They're not gonna care. Yeah. I mean, the way I think about it is like, everything at the gym has to get taken care of first. Like yes, everything down to even cleaning the gym. Yeah. Look clean. If all that's done and I still have time to post something and, you know, I can think of something that I think will provide value. Mm-hmm. I'll post it. And I'm more consistent than I have been, but every week I've been making a highlight video of all the clients at the gym. Yeah, um, And, you know, I put it to some cool music and I think it's something that the athletes like to see. They like to see themselves in the video mm-hmm. and, you know it gets people excited to kind of you know come to the gym and it motivates people if they watch the clip before they come train i think something like that is more important than just trying to post every single day something right. if you're in an in-person business like we are like yeah. if your business is online and you you rely on getting people from all over the world sure it's important to to expand your reach and grow your brand but as far as getting clients in the door i think doing a good job in the gym is way more important than just posting on social media, because that's, what's going to get you the referrals, getting clients really good results and having them tell other people is what's going to get other clients in the door. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and going back and, and this will kind of maybe even shift away from social media a little bit, but even something that I think is great on social media. And I know you mentioned this, right. Um, but I know I've heard from people like, you know, John Mraz. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that don't know, John has been on the podcast. He's one of our adult clients. Uh, amazing story. He was like, I think 240 pounds when he first started pole vaulting. Now he's like 160, shredded. Like he's amazing, right? Like I, I literally like, like I, I notice like when dads come in like to get their kids and they see so John, yeah, they see John jumping <laughs> in the bags. like, how old is that guy? Oh shit. So Like you know, <laughs> like, like you know, it's so funny. But anyway, but I remember John mentioned this to me years ago. He's like, you know, Bronco. It's like what I think you do that's really awesome on your social media is you post all your athletes, you know, anybody who's making progress, it doesn't matter if they wrap an eight foot bungee, a 12 foot bungee, a 17 foot bungee, you know, it doesn't matter if it's someone doing pull-ups with 80 pounds or it's someone that's, you know, finally getting body weight pull-ups. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll post that stuff. And that I think goes a long way with even going again, the clients in your gym, being super happy, They're like, Oh shit, Bronco notices I'm getting better. And he showed me off to the world. You yeah. know, and yeah. I think, I think that's important because I, I know you mentioned that with, with your highlight video that, that a lot of clients will, will say, Oh my God, you put me in it. That's cool.
1: Right. And I, I don't just post like the super impressive stuff that happens. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, I had a woman, she's probably going to be in the next highlight video, but she's uh, in her thirties. She's never really worked out before and she'd never been able to do chin-ups. Mm-hmm. And she finally got her first chin up the other day. Like, I'm going to post that because that's cool. And, you know, she, it's cool for her to see, you know, herself in the video. And I want to show that off.
0: So, yeah. yeah, I
1: think it's important to not just post your stud clients or your stud athletes, like show everyone. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I want to mention one more thing, but the chin up thing, I want to talk about the chin up thing. Cause you were talking about a couple different things to do with chin ups. And I think chin ups, pull ups, whatever variation you do for the pole vault is super huge. The the lats are very, very important muscle, um, help you go up the pole faster. And I I I wanted you to mention some of that and we can kind of talk about strength and conditioning a little bit. But the other thing that I, I also want to mention it and I want to make this like a really important note. If you're thinking about starting a pole bolting club and you're starting to look for space, right? Like warehouse space, you don't need a 150 foot runway. You don't, you don't yeah, you know? Um, you don't need a 25 foot ceiling.
1: Bronco, right? What if, what if my eighth grader jumps 27? 27, 27 <laughs> right. Like I, I feel
0: like the problem too, and, and you can maybe speak of this in, in strength and conditioning terms. Right. And I feel like you've been here, been there at certain points, right. Like with, with like programming, mm-hmm. you know, for clients, um, Everybody always thinks about like the top level. Everybody's always like, but what if I had the world record holder at practice? I need this much runway. I need this much ceiling. I need this, 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 and all these things like, don't worry about that. Let's cross that bridge when we get there. When you have the world record holder, we can address that. Right. But like right now, it's like, what do your clients actually need? I mean, down in Apex Long Island, I mean, no spikes, right? Cause the surfaces that are around there, it's like, you don't really want to be wearing spikes cause you might step on like some stuff that can't get spiked. So no spikes. And the runway, I think is like 70, it could be rolled out a little bit more, but you know, guys, most of your work, if you're, if if you're a pole vault gym owner and you start thinking about that and what you are doing on a daily basis, you're not going to be doing long runs all that often. People need to fix their technique. They got to be doing short stuff. It's kind of like in a strength conditioning gym if you're so worried about how to get the next guy to squat 600 pounds, well, guess what? You're going to have a lot more clients that you have to start out with the kettlebells when they deadlift. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. It's very like, rare to have a client. Like just... tell, tell your story about the one volleyball girl with the kettlebell. Yes. Cause you, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. You you're like, bro, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm not even coaching. <laughs> go, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, this girl came in and she couldn't, uh, day one, I think I took a 25 pound kettlebell. She's a sophomore. In high school and she's about 120 pounds and i put a 25 pound kettlebell in front of her i'm like okay we're gonna deadlift this so i show her how to set up and i do a couple reps myself and i'm like okay go ahead she bends down to pick it up she could barely pick it up her back rounds like this like she looks like shit. And i was like damn so you just yelled at her and gave her a heavier <laughs> one and it worked but well, then i put 315 <laughs> on the bar and said if you can't do this get out of my gym <laughs> No, so I I put the 25 pound kettlebell back and I gave her the 15 pound mm-hmm. kettlebell. And I was praying to God that she could lift this. Cause if she can't, I don't really know what to do at that point. Yeah, I don't yeah, have lighter yeah. kettlebells at the gym. Right. So thankfully she was able to do that for a couple reps. And then the whole summer she was in, we just did kettlebell deadlift for lower body. We did some other other stuff, obviously. But yeah. and by the end of the summer, I think she ended up doing the 106-pound kettlebell for like eight or 10 reps or something. That's a huge improvement, but it was the simplest program in the world. Like she would do, she would work her way up to like, did you guys use
0: bands and chains?
1: Did you uh, No, try facing no, <laughs> nothing fancy? We literally did. I had her do the 15 pound kettlebell for five reps. Then the next week we would try for a couple more reps. Then we'd try for a couple more reps. Once you could do 10 reps with it, I'd bump the weight up and bump the, the uh, reps down. And we would just start all over again. We did that oh, for I the know. entire summer but that's what she needed. It was very simple, you know, nothing complicated and it worked by the end of the summer. She could do, I think she did the 106 pound kettlebell for, for eight yeah. or 10 reps. I don't remember. But. Yeah. And, and, and I think even to bring this to kind of like pole vault terms, you know, sometimes we
0: want the fancy, fancy stuff, right? Like we'll see some professional do some fancy drill or a backflip off the end of the jump. Or maybe there's like, somebody has like some fancy like equipment that they rigged up a pole and it bends and they're doing some, listen, If you're going to have way more athletes that come in, that can't do a pull-up and you're going to need to get them to the point that they can do a pull-up that you have to learn to deal with. Forget about that, that world record holder for a minute. Right. Then it's like, dude, you're going to have people doing one left, two left, three left, four left drills a lot. Like, like, so use an example. Imagine you have someone can't do a good takeoff. They're not good at jumping up. Maybe it's a leg strength issue, so you're going to have to train them lower body, right? Um, Maybe they just don't know how to jump up. Um, Maybe they get pokey at the box, right? Like they're poking their hands down and collapsing, right? It's like you're going to have to rep out those takeoff drills. And you may feel like as a coach, you're like, dude, we're not going up a lot of grip. We're not going up poles. This person's not wrapping a higher bungee. But if they have a crap takeoff, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to do takeoff drill takeoff drill, takeoff drill, takeoff drill. Now you might have to sprinkle in a little bit of full jump. (laughs) You know what I mean? They still got a pole vault, right? But the thing is like, you're going to have to hammer that takeoff drill till it's good. And once that's good, you got to work on the next link in the chain. You know what I mean? And, And that's how you have to address it. So before you start worrying about like, well, you know, do we need to buy a different pole with a sail piece that's further up or further down? And do we need to maybe go up two and a half pounds or whatever? No, like you're going to have to fix people's takeoff. You're going to have to teach them how to swing. You're, you're going to have to teach them how to grip the pole. This is up, like, I feel like it's it's like wild, right? Like, cause I'm sure in the, like the lifting world, it's like people look at something that somebody does. That's amazing. Like, I don't know. Like I always think about like someone like a Barry Sanders who played football and he was like a running back. I think he was 205 and he's a 600 pound squat. Right. It's like, everybody's like, Oh, how do I get to that? You know what I mean? But it's like. In the pole, pole, it's like same thing. It's like, everybody's like, well, how do I get this guy on a 15-foot pole? Does he even grip the pole properly? You know, like I always talk about this. I feel like it's huge. And it's something that anything that's important has to be repeated, I think, also all the time. I'm sure it's no different for you uh, at the gym. You know, it's like I'm always like, dude, you need the pole to go middle of the palm, not diagonal, because you'll see that diagonal grip where people are like this. That's not good. I want that pole middle of the palm, fingers, thumb, tight squeeze, right? And I'm always talking about that. You'll be shocked if you start paying attention. You know how many kids open their hands before a tip hits the box? This is ridiculous. And it's like, and then you're wondering why the kid collapses, you know? So it's like, these are things that have to be done over and over. And if you really start to open your mind and start thinking about what it is to coach pole vaulting or what it is to, to be in a service industry like a gym, you know, it's like you have to address the needs of your client, not the needs of your ego as a coach. Because I think too many coaches are like, well, I want to coach state champ. That's cool. Do you have a client that could win a state title? Do they even want to win a state title? What if this kid really loves soccer too, but he enjoys pole vaults? He's going to come in once a week, but still play soccer, and that's his number one. What are you going to tell that kid? They can't pole vault. What do you have an elite gym? Are you running an elite gym? How many elite people do you have in your gym? Because that's the thing that I, I find crazy. Don't get me wrong. It's like, and if that's that's your goal, that's fine. I just that I don't know how that becomes a business, especially in the pole vault industry. You know what I mean? Cause pole is not that big. I don't, I don't know how you would get to that point. It's not like there's no like uh job openings for professional pole vault coach, like that. You can't find that. Right. Whereas like in strength and conditioning, I mean, it's possible, right? Like you'd be a D one training and conditioning coach. You get hired by the giants or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that is like somewhat a pathway in pole vault. That's, that's not there guys. All the D one coaching positions volunteer. Yeah. So, you know, like, it's different. You need to wrap your head around that you need to help service your clients. So that being said, and I don't know what time it is. I want to make sure we don't go crazy on time. 2.30. Okay. Um, we're going to finish with this. We're going to help you guys right now. Calvin told me the secret. This is the secret. If you can't do a chin up. This is the program. That's All right. The secret. Is, I can't. Tell yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think this is a good variation. Like at apex. We've always talked about the TRX rows, um, you know, stuff like that. I might even, we could post some of these. on. Yes. Instagram. What I was going to say is why don't, why don't you describe this, describe your athlete. You can even like flash it up, give people a moment. They could maybe screenshot it. Yep. And then we can even like, I could take the laptop, and walk it over and you can demonstrate on this video. So for the podcast listeners, right? Because podcast listeners, do you really want to have to get off a YouTube and go on Instagram to see our video? I mean, you should, and you should still like that and share it and follow, but you'd like to just see it right now. I mean, you're already, we're already doing this thing. We're watching the podcast, right?
1: Yeah, they can just keep
0: watching. Okay, Um, go ahead. So tell us about your client and and this uh, chin-up progression or chin-up program that you have.
1: Yeah, so I have a a high school baseball player. Uh, and when I first tested him, when he came into the gym, he did two chin-ups two. And the first one was good. And the second one was kind of shitty. So I counted as two, but it really was like one good (laughs) chin-up. So he came in probably mid July and we trained the rest of July, August, and then September. And for, Baseball players, the lats I think are pretty important, much like uh, just like pole, pole vault. vault. You know, lats are super important. If you're hitting the ball, like it's to have a big, strong back is, is only going to help you. Plus, his chin-ups were just such a weakness that I really wanted to improve them. His, yeah, his push-ups were okay, but his and, chin-ups were very bad. And, and since you bring it up again for
0: the pole vault, right? Like, and I also, th- I mean, lots of things are important, like grip strength too. But the lats are super important because if you want someone to be able to swing up fast and have a good push off, be able to jump above their grip they have to have strong lats. Like you might be able to get away with a little bit of push off. If you're really fast, like I've seen some talented people as far as like legs, that they're super fast. They hit a far out mid, they jump up and that gives them enough momentum that they get a little bit of push off. But if you really want to have a good push off and be technical on the pole, your lats have to be strong. Super important. Go ahead. Continue.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. So Back to the story in July, like mid July, he did two chin-ups and then the first or second week of September with his high school, he mm-hmm. did like a, a fitness test and they test how many push-ups you could do, how many chin-ups you could do, you could do like a shuttle run or something yeah, like yeah. that. He ended up doing 13 chin-ups. So huge a, improvement. Just about two months went from two chin-ups to 13 chin-ups. And, uh, I'd love to share with you guys how we did it. Cause I think there's some good, good yeah, takeaways yeah. here. Um, so basically let's, let's just flash this for a second so yeah. everybody can see so like th-
0: this is this is the program right here hopefully oh uh, yeah it's fine it'll come out fine because for us we see it backwards but they'll see it forwards i've done this before i know what I'm talking about i'll trust you okay judgmental. but yeah you can take a snapshot of that i'll even scroll up take a snapshot of that again i'll probably post
1: pictures of this but calvin's gonna go over it now so i'll go over it um, It's everything is in three week blocks. So you basically work on stuff for three weeks and then you switch things up a little bit. So it's a two day program and you can do other weight training stuff with this. Like I would definitely do some stuff for your legs. This is yeah. purely just to increase your chin ups. Um, so the first week, how do you want to do this? You want me to just go over it and then we could go out. Well, Why don't, why don't you or, say,
0: uh, say this part and then we're going to go
1: out. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the first three weeks, weeks one through three on day one, you're going to do TRX rows. So that's, I think you have that on your Instagram. Yeah, but we'll, we'll demonstrate demonstrate it it again. Um, you're going to do three sets of eight to 12 reps. Anywhere in that rep range is okay. You want the last couple reps to be pretty challenging. Like you want them to be very hard on day two, you do flexed arm hangs. Um, now what that is, is you're going to jump up on the chin up bar and you're going to hold yourself in a 90 degree position. So week one, you're going to do 3 sets of 3 6 second holds. So basically you're going to jump up, hold yourself up there for 6 seconds. You could either uh have a partner time you or you could just count in your head. Week 2 you're going to do 3 sets of 3 8 second holds. And between each reps so you're going to jump up, hold yourself for 8 seconds, come down, take a couple seconds, shake your arms out, jump back up on the chin-up bar, hold yourself mm-hmm. for 8 seconds, jump back down. You're going to do 3 sets of 3 holds like that. Then on week three, you're going to do three sets of three 10 second holds. So each week you're adding two seconds to that. Yeah. So once they do three, then they can take like what a minute, two minute rest. I would, I would recommend three, I would three minute rest, say three minute sets. rest in between sets. Damn, you this want guy likes a lot recovery. Recovery. of rest. You know? There's a lazy. lot of research lazy. on,
0: on very lazy, very lazy. Yeah. Very Dude, lazy. You should have seen this guy tie his spikes up. You know, I would be, that took at least <laughs> three minutes i be like, yo, we need to warm up. The
1: spikes. Up. They have to. To be fair, if one shoe was tighter than the other, other that would really piss me off. So. This is a true story. Ever since when I was in kindergarten, I don't think I could tie my shoes yet, so my parents okay. tied my shoes. My okay. mom tied my shoes, right? And she tied one way too tight and the other one very loose. Oh. And it really bothered me. So I went to to kindergarten. I think that, it was this I sounds like a traumatic
0: experience. I mean, have you have you shared this with your mom? Like how much this affected
1: your life? I don't think I've told her. <laughs> this might be the first time I've told anyone. About it. <laughs> so I go, I think it was preschool. I don't think it was kindergarten. Oh, yeah. So I go into preschool and the whole, like the whole day, it's bothering me. It's bothering me. I can't focus on anything. And I vaguely remember having like a meltdown in the middle of the day. I remember wow. trying face down on the ground pounding my fist and the teacher coming over and being like, what, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I was trying to explain it, but like I was crying and yeah, you're a little kid. So wait, so, but
0: you didn't know how to tie your shoelaces in preschool. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I came out the womb. I knew how to do that. No, not everybody. I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure I had Velcro through (laughs) freshman year of high school. All right, let's, let's walk the laptop over. Let's do some of these exercises. (laughs) Yeah, but seriously, I would be going to those meets. I'm like, Calvin, come on, get those spikes on.
1: Yeah, but if one was tighter than the other one.
0: Can, can we do first? Just show a basic TRX row, real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's what I'm. Okay.
1: So these are TRX straps. For anyone who doesn't know, um, you can look them up on Amazon. I think they have them, or yeah. anywhere online. But they're basically just handles that you attach to a a, a chin up rack or a rack so your basic uh, TRX row you're gonna walk your feet under you go on your heels like this and lean back you want to pull your elbows right to the side of your body like that and let your arms extend pull arms down like that
0: and obviously if you want to make it harder you just scoot your feet up
1: right the more you can you can adjust your feet to make it more difficult, or less difficult. So the further back this way, your feet are the easier it is. And the further under you, your feet are the harder it is. But if you're a beginner, you're probably going to be almost straight up and straight down. But as the weeks progress, if it gets too easy, then you just move your feet under you more.
0: And then do you want to show the ISO hold?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was day one that you would do, you would do three sets of eight to 12 of those and then on day two you're going to need a bench or a box or something because you're not strong enough to actually pull yourself up i like to go neutral grip with my uh pull-ups it's just a little bit better on your shoulder you can do overhand if you'd like or palms facing you but for the healthiest shoulders i would go neutral grip like this so you're going to go here And then you're going to jump. Use a combination of jumping and pulling to get yourself over the bar. And you're going to hold right here. So you would hold for six seconds and then lower yourself down. Lowering yourself down is important. You don't want to skip that step. You want to jump up, hold yourself, and then lower yourself down. Because you're actually strengthening your back a lot just by lowering yourself down. So week one, you would do six seconds. Week two, you would do eight seconds. Week three, you would try to do 10 seconds. And that's three sets of three of those. So you jump up, six seconds, come down, mm-hmm. shake your arms out, six seconds, shake your arms out, six seconds. All right? Right. So that's phase one. That's weeks one, right. through three.
0: So now you can show the, the stuff from weeks four through six, the second phase.
1: So now for the second phase on day one. Instead of just doing TRX rows, you're going to bring the handles up to about chest height, right where your pecs would be. Make sure the handles are even. If they're not, you might have an athlete who has a temper tantrum. (laughs) So now I call these TRX chin-ups. I'm not sure what the correct name is, but this is just what I've been using. What you want to do is put your feet slightly in front of the handles. And then you want your your butt and arms to be in line with the handle. So basically, you're in a chin-up position, but you have your feet on the ground. The idea here is you're using your arms as much as you can to pull up. But as your arms get tired, you can use your feet. So basically, you want to maintain a vertical chest. So, you're going straight up like this and down. And again, I would cue athletes to use their arms first and only use their legs when their arms get tired. But your feet are there because if you can't do any chin ups, you need your feet to kind mm-hmm. of hold you. So, again, you're going three sets of eight to 12 there. Yeah. So that's day one. Day two. You're gonna progress instead of just holding yourself in a 90 degree position. You're gonna jump up over the chin up bar and lower yourself slowly down. You're much stronger lowering yourself in any right. exercise than you are raising yourself. So it's gonna look like this jump up over the chin up bar, and then six, five, four, three, two, one. Shake your arms yeah. out a little bit and then jump right back up. You're going to do three sets of three reps like that. Week one, you're going to go six seconds. Week two, you're going to go eight seconds. And then week three, you're going to go 10 seconds. Okay. So that's phase two. Yeah. So now we're six weeks into the program. At this point, I would test your chin-ups. If you can do at least one rep, then you can move on to week seven through nine. If you can't do one rep, circle back to the first phase and go through the first phase again. Circle back. Really? Yeah. Is that a problem? <laughs> no, it's just, it's okay. But if you can do at least one good chin up, then you can move on to the next phase. So, but still so me. So now this is phase three, the next three weeks, you're going to do TRX chin ups again. But now you're going to put your feet on a box in front of you. So now it's a little bit harder because you can't use your feet to drive into the ground as much. Your feet are on the box so they can still help you up a little bit, but not nearly as much. So you're going to go just heels on the box. Again, you want your chest vertical, butt hanging right under your shoulders. And from here, you're going to pull yourself up, lower yourself back down. Okay? And you can cue, cue your athletes to dig their heels into the box as the reps get harder. So you're going to go three sets of 8 to 12 reps there. Then, on day two, you're going to do chin-up cluster sets. So basically what a cluster set is, is you're going to do one rep, take a little bit of rest, do another rep, take a little bit of rest, and then do one more rep. So, the reason for that is if you could do one good chin-up, but you can't do two or three, it's better to do sets of low reps and do a lot more sets like that. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get to do more chin-ups that way. So
0: Yeah, it's a good way to increase volume.
1: Exactly. So you're going to do one chin-up. Then either count in your head or have a partner time you. You're going to take 20 seconds do another chin-up, take 20 seconds, do another chin-up. So you're going to get three reps like that. Week one, you're going to do three sets like that. Week two, you're going to add a set, so you're going to go four sets. And then week three, you're going to do five sets, okay? That's the third phase. Once you get to the fourth phase, weeks 10 through 12, on day one, you're going to do band-assisted chin-ups, So basically what you're going to do is take a band, loop it around the chin-up bar, take the band, put it around one knee, and now the band is going to help you at the hardest part of the chin-up, the bottom, and it's going to help you get to the top. So here you're going to go three sets of 8 to 12 with the band helping you. Then on day two, you're going to do the same exact cluster sets that you did in the previous phase, but you're going to add weight. So I would still do sets of one, or I would still do sets of three, one, three sets of one rep.
0: Yeah. But with
1: weight. But with weight. So this is going to depend on your level. Start with just five pounds, then work your way up to 10 pounds. Then work your way up to 15 or 20 pounds, but still only do one rep. At the end of this whole thing, test your chin-ups again, and I would be very surprised if you didn't do more chin-ups. Yeah. No,
0: it sounds good. Let, let's go back to the desk to, to wrap this up. Yeah. I think you need more cardio in your life.
1: I think I need to do more chin-ups. <laughs>
0: Um, no, I, th- I think that's, you know, that's a great program to help people out with with their chin ups and their lat strength for pole vaulters, and and that's the thing too, um, and I think this ties into like what we started this podcast episode about like growing your business, you know, and wanting to have a good pole vaulting gym. You have to give your clients what they need, and so for a lot of your clients, they're going to come in. They're not going to be strong enough or fast enough to be able to jump as high as they would like or get a full experience in the pole vault. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know how Calvin feels, but I, I know me personally, like for my jumping, as I got stronger and faster, I could be more technical and I could accomplish more in the vault. And that it was a lot more fun. Pole vault becomes more fun. Also, I get in better shape. I mean, going back to even the example of John Raz. As he got in better shape, he jumped higher. He could do more in the vault. Now, you know, now we do get to, hey, let's go up one more grip. Let's go up a pole, back a half, try to do this more at takeoff or add a little bit more to your swing. It starts to become more intricate and you can add more wrinkles into the program. But yeah. if you don't add the strength and conditioning p- component to your pole bolting gym in some way, shape or form, you're really not servicing y- your clients. You know, they, they need, that's an important component you know? Um, I, I, mean, I feel strongly about that. I mean, I, have, I I, also tell me what you think Calvin. Cause like, obviously like you're familiar with the, the clubs in our, our region. I feel like apex not I feel, I know we have more adult clients than probably any other gym. And I think a large part of that is because one, the, the pole vault program is very fleshed out. There's levels to it, but then we have the strength and conditioning component, which allows people to stay in good shape and not for nothing. I feel like everybody feels like they look good. Like, they're, you know what I mean? I feel like that's an important part and it's okay. Like part of the reason we work out, yes, to be healthy, but to look good. I want to look good, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, do, do you think that that was an important part for for you and for why you think Apex as a business has been successful? To a certain extent, obviously we're not like, I'm no Jeff Bezos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you also don't, here's the other piece of that is you don't charge extra for training right kids come in and you know when they first start jumping maybe they are just jumping and they see other kids in the back lifting weights and then you know after a while it's like okay well what's holding little sally back mm-hmm. she can't do any pull-ups well if she can't do any pull-ups she probably isn't going up the pole at all so okay now you have her in the back having to do pull-ups and you know you that's not something you even advertise or charge for, but it's right. What's best for the client. You know, you right. want Sally to perform. You want Sally to jump as high as she can. Right. Getting stronger is going to help her do that. So yeah. you're over delivering, you're providing more than you even say you're going to. And that goes a long way too.
0: And and I do think in the pool community, it's funny. Like someone might see like a video of a professional, you know, let's say like, I don't know, doing weights that are not, that heavy or it's not, doesn't seem important to it. Well, so-and-so doesn't do this stuff. And it's like, right. But so-and-so jumps really high and you don't. So you <laughs> might have to do something that they don't do. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, we, we were just talking about it. Um, like a hamstring curl, you know, that, uh, am I, what what's that called? A nor-
1: it's called a Nordic
0: hamstring curl, a Nordic hamstring curl. Look it up Google. It. It's very difficult to be able to do it. Even at body weight is like, Freaking amazing. And there are some people that could just do it. They don't even have to train. They don't need a program right now for them. They could just do it. These yeah. are like freaks, right? But it's like other people, in order to get their hamstrings stronger, they may never do a bodyweight nordic hamstring curl, yeah. right? It's like it's that difficult, you know. Um, so it's like you can't always just look at Let's say what the creme de la creme are doing that like, well I want to do everything exactly the way they do it it's like one maybe what they did to get to that level isn't what they're doing now but the other thing is like yep. you may need to do other things to even ever get there you know um yeah I, I I don't know I mean I feel like we covered a lot. Was there anything else you would like to add? no I think you know I think we did good yeah good job good job Calvin. Let's go up a grip, back a half on the next one. Um, so, thank you for watching the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for listening. If you're on iTunes, obviously, if you're on iTunes, you may be like, oh my God, I didn't get to see any of those exercises. That's why you should go to YouTube, subscribe to Apex Vaulting, and then watch this <laughs> podcast um, and share it with your friends. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at the Real Apex Vaulting, Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you have any comments or questions about anything we went over, email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Now, Calvin, I'm a pole I just watched this podcast. I'm very impressed. You seem very knowledgeable. And I don't have a swimming conditioning coach,
1: but I live in Wyoming.
0: Hmm. Can you
1: help me? I can, because we do online training here at DeFranco. So if you're interested, you could shoot me a DM. I'm Calvin Hartman on Instagram. You could also send me an email. I'm Calvin at DeFranco's training.com. Um, and we could set you up with that.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And it, it, he has a lot of clients that he helps through virtual training. does an amazing job. He's got a video library of like every exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's very valuable. If you don't have a strength and conditioning coach, and you're a pole vaulter, um, I I think you definitely, you need one. Um, Yeah. I feel like I can go off on another tangent, but I should probably not (laughs) do that right now. This podcast has been long enough. Um, All right. Thanks for watching everybody. Thank you. Oh, there's a stop.